and I could very clearly feel like someone had sat down on the bed next to me. My one sister, Teresa, come literally floating down the stairs. She never touched those stairs coming down. One night we went downstairs, we heard a bang like something had fallen. Several doors in the kitchen cabinets were open, like wide open. But there's very distinct audio on one of the uh, videos that says, open the door. It's a very nasty, demonic sounding voice. So that is my ghost story. Hi, and welcome to Haunted AF, the podcast of real ghost stories told by real people. We are your hosts. I'm Julie Fisk. I'm Rebecca Black. So we're taking a little break, and we're going to come back on January 9th, but we will keep sharing your ghost stories in the meantime. you got to send those to hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com and send a voice memo if possible because we really love to hear your voices. We've also got T-shirts and sweatshirts and those gorgeous protection necklaces, which is our collaboration with Vitaglio Jewelry. So all of that is at hauntedaf.com. Anything you purchase is going to help us keep the podcast going so kind of think of it as like our pledge drive yeah (laughs) hey guys it's rj again and it's been a while it's been an entire season since i last sent a voice memo i want to touch up on the story by kimberly king parsons back in uh, episode five of season two the one where she told the story of uh the woman in the restaurant the woman with no face where her head was just all hair. Funny thing that the story happened in Taiwan, where I live, it's just south of Taiwan. I don't know what, what's with Asians and ghostly sightings of women with long hair and no face. <laughs> you know, that's funny. That reminded me of something that happened, well, not to me, but to my dad. And he just told me the story. We were just minding our own business one night, and I remember going to bed early. I, I told my dad I wanted to sleep at 10. Next thing I remember, he woke me up in the middle of the night, and I told him, What the hell are you doing in my room, man? And he said, I'm scared to death. Can I sleep with you? I had a small bed. <laughs> it wouldn't fit two people, especially people as large as me and my father. Next morning, he told me what happened. He was about ready to go to bed. He was brushing his teeth, and when he looked up into the mirror, the doorposts or the door frames they were covered in hair. A woman's hair. And they were moving like tentacles. They looked angry, and they looked like they wanted to grab my dad. And there was a woman by the door, kind of snickering and smiling at him. I'm getting goosebumps just telling the story because I'm the only one in my house right now. I just got off work. But just remembering that, it scares the hell out of me. He ran, of course. He just dropped everything in there, left the light on, just covered his eyes and ran straight to my room. That's why he woke me up. That's why he was, oh, can I sleep with you? Oh, you can sleep. I can't sleep. I'm guessing that woman was maybe a tree spirit. And that's my only guess because my mom saw something just like that, but it was a man. And I'm gonna tell that story another time. I scared myself. Ah, thanks again, guys. <laughs> I'm going to try and sleep well tonight. This comes from Carmen in South Carolina. She says, Hi, ladies. Let me start by saying my family's pasture has always been one of my favorite places in the world. It's a beautiful sloping 22 acres with a creek running just past the tree line at the bottom. It only has three horses now, but it used to be quite the little farm. From the time I could walk, I spent most of my childhood chasing guinea and quail, bottle feeding orphan baby goats, and hiding behind cows when I was being called in by whichever adult was trying to keep me from running wild. My favorite early memory was leading 
meeting an especially gentle mare named Blossom around when I was four years old. So this is important later. Remember Blossom. Okay. It was fairly routine for my uncles to bring all the animals in when bad weather was on the way or if they noticed one was missing. So one evening, they hopped in the truck to find a goat who was due to have babies at any moment. So they had just returned with her when Uncle Jay saw what appeared to be three white dresses walking across the top of the hill. So he watched them for a few seconds, and then he pulled the headlights on to see what exactly was up there, only to see nothing. My other uncle asked, what? What did you see? Uncle Jay just shook his head and wiped his eyes and said nothing. But Uncle L said, bullshit, I saw them too. (laughs) (laughs) There were three dresses up there, and you know it. So they asked my grandparents if they had ever seen anything, but Granny and Papa claimed that they never had. So two months later, my uncles are helping their neighbor out in the pasture when he asked if they had seen anything odd lately. So they say, what do you mean? And he says, well, a couple of nights ago when I first started bailing, I swear I saw girls walking my way mm. from your side. Now I say girls, but what I mean is Shit, I'm not crazy, and I'd had nothing to drink. I saw dresses floating to the fence. Dresses right there, three of them. So my uncles also noticed that the animals would not go through that area anymore. They would collectively walk around it. We're talking a herd of 30-plus goats splitting into two groups to walk around this one patch and then rejoin after they had gotten on the other side. Okay, that is crazy. So Uncle Jay took Blossom, the sweet mare that we were talking about earlier, Mm -hmm. and tried to force her to walk through that spot okay she wouldn't do it she would not do it so after repeated tries he jumps off he tries to lead her through that one spot she got so freaked out she actually reared on him (gasps) and knocked him over oh my god carmen says this horse who would follow my tiny toddling lead all over the pasture without ever once refusing would not under any circumstances walk through this mystery area She says, I don't think anybody saw the dresses again, or if they did, we didn't hear about it. And Blossom never did walk through that area again, nor did any of our animals. That's crazy. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, my God. I know. And I can see it. Yes, I can see all, like, this herd just splitting, like, parting the Red Sea and then coming back. Yeah, we got to get Keith or RJ, one of our uh, cartoonists, to draw a picture of that one. Oh, that's amazing. So we've got a story from Jessica. She says, I grew up going to camp in the Poconos. Most camps have their own ghost stories, but mine had an actual real-life murder in its history. Ooh, nice. I love it already. <laughs> I'm in. I love that I'm we're in. both twisted. Yes, we're like, we're yeah, so messed tell up. Tell me more. All right. Sometime in the 1940s, the caretaker for our camp went crazy and shot his wife in the main house at camp, put her in the furnace in the basement, and then hung himself in their garage, which was the camp wood shop. The whole camp always felt a bit off. You would constantly hear footsteps in empty places. It was oddly cold, and it always felt like you were being watched. Oh, God. Yeah. And at camp, too. Mm-hmm. And didn't that sound kind of like The Shining? Like the caretaker yes. goes crazy. and oh. Yeah. Okay, when I was a camp counselor there, we'd hear footsteps running up the stairs in the main house and across the hall. We'd also hear a second set of footsteps and then a second set of slow, deliberate footsteps coming back down the other way. We all agreed it was the wife of the caretaker being chased before she was shot. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my. I just got chills so all like up my spine. The second set yes. of steps is him going <gasps> after her. Oh, my God. Oh God. <gasps> this should be a horror movie yeah one day before camp had started a few of us had to go into the basement of the main house to get things out of storage well we know nothing good is gonna happen there (laughs) yeah 
<laughs> Hello. We all tried to act tough, but we were not tough. And we got so anxious that we all got the giggles. I oh. love that. <laughs> <laughs> that made us relax a little and get to work. But all of a sudden, the room went silent. Oh, my God. Like someone had hit the mute button and sucked all the air out of the room. It also got ice cold. And this is summer camp, so it wouldn't be cold. Right. No one said anything. We all just dropped what we were holding and ran out as fast as we could. I love this camp. I want to know if it's um, still functioning. Yeah. Like, can we just go and yeah. just hang out for a minute? <laughs> like, I, I want to know where she was murdered. Yeah. I got, oh, God. What is oh, Michael sh- Myers? No, I'm trying to remember. It's like a, it's a Canadian. Name some Canadian cities quick. Saskatchewan. Quebec, it's, Toronto, it was Vancouver. Saskatchewan. We are really like on the we are level on today. It. We are. So my friend Mark, we used to go to camp in Saskatchewan, and mm-hmm. that was a place they had a um, a haunted a nurse, and it was known that this nurse was uh-huh. haunting the camp all oh, the time. I love it. So they would actually, before camp would end, they would do a haunted house. All the little kids that's, would put. To, isn't that fantastic? That's amazing and so messed up. Yeah, and it's actually gone now. They say he said oh. that they actually tore it down. I'm like, that's the greatest camp in the world. No kidding. Hi, my name is Amanda. Um, I reached out on Facebook and I told you guys that I had some scary ghost stories. And as promised, here's one of them. So we moved to New York, uh, central New York, about 2014. My husband and I um, were both military and we were renting this house. Never really had a bad feeling about the house. Never got uncomfortable or anything like that. So... One night, I was going into the kitchen to open the basement door to throw some laundry down. I was being lazy and didn't want to walk. There were really no lights on behind me except for the one that was right over my sink. But it did not shine down into the basement at all. Not even to where you could see any type of shadows or anything like that in the bottom of the basement. However, when I decided to throw my laundry down and it hit the bottom of the stairs, all of a sudden I saw this dark-like shadow figure go from a flat position to kind of like standing up like a dog and then straight up. And then within seconds it just darted off to the right. I stood there, tears welled up in my eyes. I had chills up and down my spine. And it took me a minute to even be able to just back away from the door and close it. Um, When I did, I finally went to go get my husband and got away from the kids. They were upstairs in their rooms, took them downstairs to the basement. And I didn't say anything to him about what happened until I got in the basement because me, I wanted to go down and investigate. We didn't see anything odd. There's no way in or out of the basement. It is uh, your typical New York wet basement. Um, There was no way to even tell what it was. My husband, who is a huge non-believer, told me I was seeing things, which is typical of him. So it is what it is. But um, the next night, around two or three, I was up watching TV and my kids actually fell asleep downstairs with me. My son woke up and wanted his tablet. And I said, oh, it's over there on the chair, which the chair faced the kitchen. So he walked over and he grabbed his tablet, but looked a little puzzled when he came to sit down and um, asked me where his dad was. And I said, oh, your dad's in bed. And he goes, well, if daddy's in bed and I'm right here and you're right here, who is that shadow man that's in the kitchen? It was all I could do not to scream. And at that point, honestly, I couldn't even get that out. It took me quite a few minutes. I was nearly in tears when I finally was able to yell for my husband. 
To this day, my husband still says that there's got to be some sort of rational explanation for it all. But, you know, for my son not to have heard a word that we said the night before and then to see exactly what I saw the very next day, almost in the same vicinity as where I had seen the shadow person myself the night before, I really can't come up with any other rational explanation except there was a shadow person in my house. Hey, Julian, Rebecca, my name is Chris, and I wanted to give you my ghost story. I'm hella nervous, so feel free to edit. I'm probably going to stammer and, and stuff. But uh, I heard you guys ran out of stories around Halloween, and I just kind of wanted to contribute to the pile here. So this first one is my dad's story, and it has interested me since I was a little kid. He doesn't tell the story unless he's drunk. Um, he hates telling the story. He's also been a trained observer most of his life, including when this took place. So my dad used to be in the Air Force. Uh, he worked on Mather Air Force Base, and he was part of the protection detail of protecting the base. And one very foggy November night, they got a perimeter alarm. It sounded along the fence line. So all these airmen head out, some on foot with dogs, some in jeeps with mounted guns, and go toward the perimeter to try to see like who's on base, what's going on, because visibility is so low, they, they send out a bunch of them, right? And so my dad's one of the lucky ones. He gets in a Jeep with a sergeant, and they head out, and they know where to go, even though it's foggy, because the checkpoints are in set positions, which are men with dogs. So they get to the first guy, the first checkpoint, and he hasn't seen anything. So they drive on to where the second checkpoint's supposed to be, and the guy's standing there looking dumbfounded with his dog. And remember, it's hella foggy, so they get right up to him before they can really see him. And his dog has his tail between its legs. It's shaking. And the guy reports. He's like, something quick went that way. I think it's a woman. And my dad and his sergeant didn't actually question the guy as to why he didn't chase or anything. I'm not sure if they're not supposed to chase because they're checkpoints. I don't really know how that works. But my dad and the sergeant gave chase, and they went in that direction. So they go out for a ways into the fog, and they just pause and stop. Because they're not seeing anything, and they've gone pretty far. Like, they've dri- they know they've driven faster than anybody could potentially go, or so they think, whatever. And then they stop for a minute, just kind of take a look around them to squint into the fog and see what they can see with the headlights. and uh, not, Well, I don't know if they had fog lights on or what, but squint out there, right? And my dad swears to this day, but only when he's drunk, that as they sat there, a wedding dress floated by. A wedding dress without a head, in the shape of a person, floated by their Jeep at night in the fog in November. So my dad looks up at his sergeant. He goes, did you see that? Sergeant looks back at him. He goes, no, I did not. And they haul back into the base. I think they both knew that this was not a person. (laughs) Exactly. I think they both had a sense of that. So my dad found out soon after that that this has happened before. In fact, this happens every November. There's a specific time during the month where the fog sucks everything in, where the base started getting perimeter alarms. And they traced it back for years. And apparently it went back to a source story where in the 30s, before Highway 50 was put in to get to South Lake Tahoe, there was a couple who was on their honeymoon about to go out to South Lake Tahoe along Old Placerville Road, which borderlines the base. And there was a car accident, and the couple was beheaded, both of them, and they never found the heads. Now, that part might be a little false. I tend to believe that the car accident probably did happen, and people probably did die. But despite how it sounds, that's what my dad saw. And my dad, the trained observer, saw a headless wedding dress floating by. Doesn't it make you want to do a ghost hunt out there? I'm kind of hella curious now. So... 
Thanks for what you guys do. It's awesome. Love the show. Have a great day. All right, Haunted AFers, remember to subscribe, either iTunes, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast platform is. Also, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, as well as our brand new website, hauntedaf.com. Ooh, it's so bright and shiny over there. Got to say thanks to our board op, Ziggy Becker. <laughs> and to Andrew Mamalaga <laughs> for our theme song. Also, a shout out to On Air Media for titles and technical support. And of course, we have to thank you for listening to Haunted AF. By the way, Julie, if I die first, I'm going to come back and haunt you. Oh, I'll come back and haunt you too, Rebecca.